Diamond Anniversary of the Bearded Cardcast. It's number 25, and we have a very special guest. I am Mike Pacheco, Dave Friedman alongside, and we have Pat Kelsey joining us, Dave. I always said if we did a 25th episode, it should be in Jason G's office. <laughs> I mean, who didn't say that, right? But, Pat, welcome to the Bearded Cardcast. I know we've done a lot of stuff with you on the Winthrop side of things. Of course, Pat's the head basketball coach at Winthrop University, but now you get the, the full Bearded Cardcast experience. Yeah, uh, blessed to be here, 25th. I, I don't, yeah, it's guys, really something. It must have been a slow day in scheduling for you guys. A slow to, 25 days. <laughs> to, to, to land on me for the 25th episode. But uh, Bearded Carcast, I don't pull off a beard near as well as either of you two guys, although uh, I, Mike's, I gone, shave mine, Mike's yeah. gone cleanly shaven now. But uh, I still try to pull this thing off, and I don't know. My wife's trying to talk me out of it. But that, that, You didn't have that when you were first came to Winthrop, right? I didn't. I didn't. Uh, just to remind you guys, they did hire me, and I had never called a timeout before <laughs> when they gave me the job. So I figured I had to win a few games before I could uh, go outside the box a little bit and, and try to grow a little scruff, if you know what and I mean. And how did the decision come to you? In all of the big decisions you've made in your life, how did you decide to grow some facial it's hair? a good question. I would say as um, I started to lose it up top, I thought maybe I could compensate by growing it on my I feel cheeks you. a little bit. So. So my Fo- follically challenged. Mine was it was end of the baseball season last year, and you know how it is doing a full season, whether it's basketball, or baseball. And I was just so worn out, and I said, "I'm not shaving tomorrow." And then tomorrow became a week, and then a week yeah. became three weeks, and then I ran into Ken Halpin, I think, at the Big South meeting. And he's like, "Hey, I love the beard," and I was like, "All right, hey, if he likes it, we'll, <laughs> we'll roll with it." So, and that's how that's how we. So, did that. in my case, you ask your wife, "How do you like this?" But in Mike's case, it's, "How does the athletic director at Winthrop like my beard?" That was the big influential factor. To no, him. but the- I should probably. Um buy into that philosophy as well since he is my boss. <laughs> well, no, but I didn't have to be on TV in the fall. So I was like, you know, once we start the Winthrop games, you know, some people like their talent to not have beards. So he, unfortunately, we have a We use a that beard term friendly. talent really <laughs> loosely <laughs> around Quote, unquote. Here. No, the big one was, uh, I didn't find out until afterwards, my wife didn't like it because she, she supported uh-huh. it. And then afterwards, she's like, man, thank God you got rid of that thing. <laughs> Does your wife like your scruff? You know what? She's not. She's okay with it. She's okay with it, as you guys know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I think like we all are. I'm out kicking my coverage, so, um, you know, I think she, she's okay with it. I know that you've been on lots of radio shows and TV shows and podcasts, but do you listen to podcasts? Yeah, um, I listen to. Uh, I've I've seen quite a few of yours, your guys. I enjoy. that. I'm sorry that that's the example. <laughs> nah, you guys do a great job. You have fun with it, and. Um, you know, in, in, in our profession, we're like any profession, and you guys are very good at what you do. You pour your heart and soul into it. So um, you have to pick and choose a little bit when, when you're able to do those things. Sometimes, you know, it helps in terms of your profession and recruiting and things like that. But as far as pure enjoyment, you know, when I do have free time, as you guys know, I'm spending the majority of the time yeah. throwing wiffle balls and playing with my kids. What else do you do with your free time? And there's not a lot of it in three kids will consume a whole lot of it. but given an afternoon to kick back and do something what is it you might do well that's first and foremost I love to play with my kids um I love baseball I love um I love watching I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan so this time of year if I have a free afternoon the Reds are on I'm watching I, I'm a big believer that baseball is, is something you can do while you're doing something else yeah yes absolutely so you can be making recruiting calls and in and, and, and writing your notes and playing while the game's going on in the background and the 
in the uh, the golden tones, if you will, of Marty Brenneman in the background of a, of a Reds game on XM radio or something. I might turn the TV down and, and listen to him. There's there's nothing like it. Um, I, I like to create things. Uh, I'm I, I I think I'm a creative person. And uh, when I have some free time, um, I'm interested in, in art. I like to draw. I'm interested in graphic design, uh, interior design, painting, things like that just is, is fun for me. I enjoy those type of things. And when I do have some free time and I'm able to do some of that, uh, I enjoy it. Is it kind of relaxing, too, and just kind of takes you away from the pressures of the job and just kind of lets you kind of get back into a groove? A little bit, a little bit, but I just I just love trying to trying to create cool things yeah. it just gets my juices flowing a little bit and the, and the fun part about my job is I really get to incorporate that into what we do you can utilize creativity and des- in designing cool things to help in recruiting um, you don't have a lot of time for it but it, it's it's fun because you know the guys that come on staff know that and whether it's our GAs or whether it's uh, uh, our ops guy and our video guys they can kind of take on some of the, the projects that might be time intensive and I can kind of teach them some of the things that we do. We might be able to do some graphic design type things and create some templates and then they can utilize those uh, for recruiting and, and, and those type things. And I think that's that's fun. It, it's, it's fun and I think it gives us an advantage in recruiting as well. Well, it's a fun skill, but it's also kind of helped you get this job because when you came to the job, I know you had a big binder with everything in it and you kind of came in with the, the rock the hill, the hashtag rock the hill. And that kind of, I think helped separate you from other candidates in the job. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that it interests me and it fires me up to, to come up with ideas yeah. and cool things, whether it's marketing slogans or, or whatever. And I'm lucky and blessed here because, you know, Ken really has an outside the box vision on a lot of things and is very receptive to a lot of the things that we come up with. Um, his staff and his crew in the department it does that as well. We we think that everything we do is a is a team effort. Um, it's not my idea or their idea. It's our ideas. Um, just like in our program, it's not his recruit or his recruit. It's our recruit. It's not his scout. It's our scout. And um, I think that all-in team mentality permeates throughout our department and our basketball program. I think we see some of the result of the graphic design stuff you do, but the stuff you do more along the lines of painting that you do on your <laughs> own time, what does it look like? Uh, not like Picasso in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. I'm, um, if, if, you know, professional painter, artist is the New York Yankees, um, I'm not even in the rookie league billings of single-A baseball. It's our Bearded Podcast from Rockville, South Carolina. With Mike Pacheco, I'm Dave Friedman. Winter men's basketball coach Pat Kelsey, good enough to give us some time. If you want to be a part of the program, we'd love to hear from you. BeardedCarcast at Outlook.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BeardedCarcast and use the hashtag BeardedCarcast. The NBA playoffs are going on. A little bit more time in your life now because you're not coaching a team. You're doing all the off-season stuff, but but you aren't in season at this particular moment. Once upon a time, you only got one chance 
to watch a game. It was on, you either saw it or you didn't see it. But now, the way you watch film of your team, you can almost mimic that when you watch a big-time game. When you watch NBA playoff games, do you find yourself watching it as an old-school fan, one take, or do you tend to want to chop it up? One of the greatest inventions, I think, in the 21st century is DVR. (laughs) And as you're watching a game, you can rewind live TV and what happens is you're rewinding an action, you're rewinding a screen, you're rewinding a set play, and then all of a sudden you forget to fast-forward it back, and then you check Twitter, and then all of a sudden you see the end, you, you see the end score of the game, and it ruins the, it, <laughs> it ruins the drama. So I said, oh, I forgot to fast-forward it. But, yeah, that's, that's something that uh, you really pick up concepts and ideas, and a lot of times you're sharing with your staff throughout the game. Did you, you, know, did you see that set or that baseline out of bounds? you see how they defended you know, that pick and roll? Um, so you're always going to watch it as a coach. So the Celtics went up 3-2 on Cleveland last <clears throat> night, and we know LeBron goes to the championship series every single year. Do you think they win the next two? I do just because I believe so much in LeBron's greatness. Um, you know, I've I've doubted him and doubted them before when they play like they played last night. And it was awful. I mean, you know, by their standards, it was awful. Why do basketball teams do that? Like your team or anyone else's team? Some (laughs) days, it's not that. Well, mostly because um, they're human beings. You know, I would say that's the biggest thing. I mean, they're not robots. They they put their pants on the same way we do. They bleed. They their heartbeats. You know, you have good days. You have bad days. You have ups. You have downs. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's going to bring their absolute A game every single night. But because of LeBron's greatness, you expect that. But I've just seen it so many times when, gosh, and I've even said to my staff, they just look terrible. And then, boom, they snap back and, you know, recover and win the game. You know, so I I wouldn't put anything past him. I'm biased because I grew up in the Michael Jordan era, and I know this conversation happens all the time. Recruits, players, they love to talk about Jordan, LeBron, Jordan, LeBron. To me, there's been nobody greater ever, 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 maybe in the history of sports than Michael Jordan, at least in my lifetime. But uh, LeBron's greater than great, and he's he's right there in that conversation. If you had to game plan to stop him, and you could pick anyone to guard either of those guys, Jordan or LeBron, how would you go about trying to defend them? You know, it's it's Brad Stevens. I think says it best. You just got to make what they do difficult. Yeah, you can't let them get in a rhythm. You can't let them do things comfortably. You got to make it difficult to think you're going to shut him down is naive you're never going to do that but you have to make him labor for what they do and I think you always have to do that against a great player you can't let them get in a rhythm and pray play freely you got to make him feel you a little bit it's our bearded car cast from the Winthrop Coliseum do you have a prediction on your Chris Paul Warriors series yeah I mean like I said I, I think I'm looking at it from the fan perspective but um I think they win game uh I think they I think they win um, Houston wins game five at home. Houston wins game five at home. Warriors win game six Warriors at home. Warriors game, game six, and they go back game seven. Yep. That's yeah, exactly and are you going right. to take the defending champs who have four Hall of Famers, maybe five, or your guy and James Harden, who is another one of those guys very difficult to stop? Yeah, I, I'm going with CP and James Harden. Um, obviously, I think my heart says that. My mind says Warriors. They do. They have four Hall of Famers on the same roster, which is which is scary. And I think Coach Kerr, I think Steve Kerr is a phenomenal coach and tactician and motivator and does a great job of uh, kind of like I, I look at him like Sparky Anderson. 
and and I don't think anybody listening to this is going to know what the heck I'm talking about except for Dave Friedman. But Sparky Anderson was the manager of the Big Red Machine in 75 and 76, and it's probably the greatest baseball team ever assembled. And they had egos upon egos upon egos with the Johnny Benches and Pete Rose and George Fosters and Joe Morgans and his ability to not only strategize an X and O, and it wasn't about his strategy and and when to take pitchers out of the game because he was known as Captain Hook. He would take guys out of the game really, really early. But in Cincinnati lore, in baseball lore, Sparky Anderson was known as a guy that could just manage egos and and motivate some of the most talented athletes on the planet. I think Steve Kerr does that at a phenomenal level as well. Would you like to coach a player with everything going on, like Draymond Green with that personality and that kind of – I would I would coach Draymond Green every day of the week, twice on Sunday, every day of my career. Um, you know, some of his extracurricular activities and his theatrics and his those type things obviously are, are, are byproducts and things that you'd have to deal with. But I don't know if there's a more ferocious competitor, maybe in all of sports, if not basketball, than Draymond Green. He, he loves to defend. He's a team player. He plays with the ultimate passion. He competes on every single possession. Um, heck yes, give me a Draymond Green every and, single And take day. all the baggage with it. 100%. Well, I mean, we, I mean you could say we kind of had that to some extent with, with Xavier Cooks. I mean, he, he gave a lot to this university. I mean, great scoring player. But, you know, sometimes his temper got the best of him. That's kind of a challenge I, for you. I think that's probably a good comparison, those two players. Um you know, those of you that, that you guys both knew Xavier very, very well because you're around him every day, such a engaging person, such a big heart, um, a very good student, you know, but nobody's perfect. Xavier had a, had a fire in him that needed to be um, dealt with at times, but I think, you know, I would rather have to uh, scale somebody back than put that type of passion into him, but um, just a phenomenal talent. And uh, was was one hundred thousand percent worth his worth his problems when it came to those because we all have them. I I have positives and negatives and strengths and weaknesses just like he did. But you talk about somebody that left his imprint on this program, on the record books here in our conference and at our university, and um, you know, and, and lived his life the right way and set a good example uh, for for how to be a student athlete at Winthrop. I think your resume quite obviously points to your strengths, your wins and losses, your kids graduating, the GPA, all that stuff. But you mentioned we all have strengths and weaknesses. What are your weaknesses? Um, you know, I have I have tons of them. I, I, I think, um, you know, I think I think balance uh, as uh, on the floor in terms of sometimes uh, you would think I get so offensive hev- heavy, but I'm I think so much from a defensive perspective every day that I approach practice and I approach a scout it's about stopping the other team as opposed to spending more time on how to generate offense specifically about a team Um, I think uh, I I think something that uh, I'm spending a lot of time on this offseason is uh, special situations and I think you could say uh, you know our after timeout percentage if you look at synergy and things like that are very good our baseline out of bounds Offensive efficiency has been very good, but I think I can do a uh, better job, and it's one of my off-season projects to really pour into uh, situational basketball after timeouts, time and score, and things like that are uh, just things that I think, looking back on the last six years, 
that I could apply more time to in the off season to try to organize better and prepare better for those uh, situations as to as opposed to waiting to once the season starts spend a lot of time on those type of things Fran Frischilla who's a famous coach in in in, in United States basketball obviously and is a uh, a media member now but he always used to say you know spend time in June and July or May and June and July making the decisions that you're going to have to make in December, January, and February, and prepare yourself as a coach as an off season, in the off season to better make yourself a bench coach once the season comes around, and that's something that I'm spending a lot of time on uh, this off season. One of the other things that takes place every off season is coaches around the country shuffle jobs, and good coaches get opportunities, and coaches that haven't been as successful need to find new opportunities. It's no surprise to anyone your resume has produced a lot of interest. When opportunities come up, how do you weigh them? How do you make a decision? What is an attractive job and what isn't? You know, those those type things, and I've always said this, and you guys have known me since I've been here, um, those are discussions and things that are between my family and I, and that's it. Um, at the end of the day, um, I have a phenomenal job, and this is a I've said this before, and I believe this with every fiber of my being. This is a world-class academic institution in one of the most dynamic, exciting uh, parts of the country. I believe Rock Hill is um, one of the best places anywhere on the globe, and all the people that I love that are so close to me in Cincinnati, I would even throw Cincinnati into that mix. I would say Rock Hill might be the greatest place in the United States to raise a family. And... um, you know, I have an unbelievable product to sell in terms of our, our the tradition and mystique of winter basketball, the facilities, our campus, and, and what makes it the best are the people, the people of Rock Hill, um, the people in this institution, this athletic department. Uh, it's it's hard to top what we have, and um, that's I, I just keep going back to how blessed and lucky I am to be the head coach uh, at such a prestigious place with such a fantastic tradition. Winthrop fans know Rock Hill and know how Rock Hill has changed over the years, the good, the bad, and so forth. You grew up in Cincinnati. It obviously means a great deal to you. You're a Bengals fan. You're a Reds fan. Your family is there. You grew up there. You went to college there. For someone that hasn't spent a lot of time there, if this was a travel log, if someone had 36 hours in Cincinnati, what would they do or what should they do? Man, uh, you got to get the ribs at Montgomery Inn. You got to get some skyline. Um, you know, I, I think those are the two things you have to do from a cul- so just culinary eat. standpoint. Eat, yeah. You know, Cincinnati's special to, to me, obviously, because of uh, how close I am with my family and how special I think my family is. Um, you guys have been down here for six years with me, and how often do we just have carloads of Cincinnati people that show yeah. up here and come to the games? Um, I hit the genetic lottery being born to my mom and dad and, and uh and, and my sisters and brothers and cousins and nieces and nephews and all 56 of my first cousins and aunts and uncles and all that stuff is, is something that's really, really special. So that's what makes Cincinnati most special to me. But it's a great place to live. Um, you know, obviously it's a, it's a major league town with the Reds and Bengals that you just mentioned. Uh, but there's, there's a pride of, of being, being from that area as well. It's one of the few places in the country when, when you ask people where they went to school, they say they're high school. And I don't know why yeah. that is, but there's like a passion and affinity and a and a connection 
to the high school that you went to. And you guys know, being a graduate of Elder, how proud I yeah. am of that institution and what it's about, uh, the people that are there and what it represents on the west side of Cincinnati. But, um, you, you know, it's it's just a, a, a typical Midwest, conservative, blue-collar type town. And uh, it's a place that's very, very special to me. Will you go see the Bengals when they come to Charlotte this fall? 1,000%. And will you wear, like, Bengal gear when you go? 1,000%. <laughs> well, maybe you took Johnny to a game I did. Uh, and this fall. We're all going to go. Ruthie and Caroline haven't yeah. been to an NFL game as yeah. well. I took Johnny down, and my brother was able to score field passes. So you talk about a bucket list <laughs> yeah. event. We walked on the field of Paul Brown Stadium, got to touch the turf. Um, Adam Pacman jones came by and, and gave Johnny a high five. Um one of the special teams assistants flipped him a ball. I mean, you talk about a moment. Yeah. And I know how um, how much fun you have being a, being a dad, how much fun that was to experience that with my son on an NFL field, and it's something that we'll never, ever, ever forget. It was a, uh, like I said, a bucket list deal. Part of being in your job is you have a little bit of a platform. You you can stand up and, and people will listen to some degree, maybe not to the Coach K degree, but but there is an opportunity to get your message out, get your brand out. I think maybe in your first year, the biggest thing that came out of that year, and the team probably was much better than the talent indicated. It could have been obviously following that year, you went to the championship game four or five straight seasons. But during that year, you stood up and said some pretty emotionally charged things after the game at Ohio State about the Sandy Hook tragedy. Five or six years later, how do you feel about kind of everything that's taken place politically and socially in that realm? Well, I mean, I think, you know, all of us would agree that um, we're not where we need to be um, socially and as a country. And what I said that day was, um, I, I basically said, first of all, I don't have the answers. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is. But my my point was that um, we got figured out. <laughs> you know, we, we you know, the, the future of, of our country, the future um, lives of our children that are going to be growing up in this society, um, you know, is, is the, their future is staked on us figuring this thing out. And... Um, you, I think you know, too, I've become very, very close with the Kowalskis up in yeah. Connecticut who lost uh, a little boy that day. And, you know, to, to, to meet and spend time with and become friends and develop a relationship with somebody that has um, been immediately affected by um, by gun violence and, and by a school shooting, it, it, it is, you know, really resonated and it's really hit home. And every time something like this happens moving forward, um, you know, it just, like like every American citizen, it just it crushes your soul, your soul a little bit, and you want for better. I, I I've always said, and I believe this, that um, the United States of America is the greatest country in the history of civilization, and at our core, we're about the right things, and we believe in the right things. But um, it's it's sad when these type of things continue to happen, and it's disheartening. Yeah as a citizen and um, you know the the big thing with what the Kowalskis loved about um, my message that day and I think why we connected was um, with them more than anything it's about it's about you know uh, the golden rule and it's about 
you know, loving your neighbor. And yeah. It's about, um, you know, spreading that, that, that mentality that uh, we're all, we're all brothers and, and we're all brothers and sisters under God and treating people how you want to be treated and recognizing that people are different and they have different beliefs and they have different backgrounds, but appreciating other people's perspective. And, and even if you passionately disagree with somebody still loving them because they're, they're members of the same family and that's the human race. And, um, you know, if we all live our life the same way that, uh, the person that walked this earth earth over 2000 years ago, that was, uh, the greatest the greatest ever and that's Jesus Christ and we live our lives in the in his image and likeness and, and um, love each other the same way he loved us uh, nothing but good things can happen sports a lot of times Pat is kind of a a uniter and brings people together and you know we're, we're kind of in interesting times right now and I don't know if it's quite as turbulent as maybe the 60s but what's it like coaching and being around young men and, and trying to help them maybe navigate what what life is all about in uh in 2018 i mean it's got it's an interesting because there's a lot of discussions you know that's obviously the, the the gun violence one's a big one but politically also there's you know a lot of different views out there how do you navigate I, that with, yeah with i the think players? i think that's one uh interesting thing about being in the position in the profession that i'm in in a lot of ways the fact that you're dealing on a daily basis with young kids i think first of all it helps keep you young <laughs> but uh secondly you know you are um on a daily basis, you're 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 trying to help them and shape them and navigate this this crazy world that we live in, and you hear their fears and you hear their concerns and you hear their perspectives and their outlook on life when they have their entire life in front of them, and, and coaches that have life experiences already and that have stepped into pitfalls and have made mistakes and that can help you. So that's one of the really, really fun things uh, and interesting things about my job. But, but you're right that there are times when, um, you know, major social issues come up and things are happening in the world that uh, at the end of the day, you're their parent. Not, not only at that moment, but the entire time they're here. Uh, some of their moms and dads are thousands and thousands and thousands of miles from here, and it's not the same being on FaceTime and, yeah. and a f telephone call. Um, you're the ones that are the, f the, the first responders, if you will. Um, uh, uh, I don't know if that's the proper term on major uh, happenings and instances and tragedies in their life or in uh, the world in general. So, you know, sometimes you have to be that, that comforting parent that puts your arm around someone and lifts them up in a, in a major, major time of need, um, you know, and that's one cool thing about being a coach. You talked about it earlier, Dave, just those X's and O's and winning games. It's so much, it's so much more than that, and that responsibility is heavy, but it's one that you as a coach in your vocation you accept and, and you better love and you better cherish and it might better be important to you or you're doing the wrong things, you're in the wrong profession. I think we would all agree that there are bigger fish to fry in general than who wins the national championship, though I'm pretty sure Jay Wright is satisfied with the results of the NCAA tournament. But not just in the world, in the college basketball universe, there's been a lot of news recently. The Condoleezza Rice-led committee after the FBI investigation, that's still ongoing. Has that impacted you at all? Um, no, I, I, I think there are major changes coming. Um, I couldn't tell you exactly what they are. I could do some guessing and things like that, just like you could. Um, 
but I think uh, the changes that will be coming are, are good. And even if you disagree and you think that they aren't, it doesn't matter because they're coming. So uh, I think being responsive and uh, being able to, to adjust and uh, anticipate that change and be able to move forward and take advantage of those changes versus pouting and sulking and and, uh, not real and, productive. And it's not very productive to do it that way. So I do think changes are coming, whether it's the, from the, the transfer perspective and things like that. Um, you know, the FBI investigation, obviously, I think the byproduct of that will be uh, a better game and a healthier game. I like to think some of the things that come out of that are a lot of the, uh, the bad and the negative parts of the game that, uh, that, that need to be cleaned up will be. And, uh, you know, college basketball continue to be great. It's too great of a thing. It's one of the greatest spectacles in American sports outside the Super Bowl, and I'm talking about the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't think that's ever going to change, but there are changes coming, and, and we'll be, able, be ready to adjust. I think the outside looking in reads everything about the FBI and goes, oh, what a mess this is. But you're, you're involved in it. Does college basketball have major problems or a few things that need to be cleaned up? Well, I think a lot of the things that are coming to light right now are uh, no surprise to the majority, if not every college basketball coach out there. So I think everybody's been aware for a long, long time that these type of things um, are, ha have been going on and are happening. Uh, I like to think that uh, it's not a deep-seated, you know, deep-rooted uh, problem or problems but I think they do; they are going on. Um, so, and I think they're going to be cleaned up. So, uh, the, none of this stuff is a surprise, like I said, to any coaches. But I think moving forward, it's, the game's going to be better for what's going on right now. I got one more big topic question, and then I'm sure Mike will ask something much more fun and interesting before we wrap things up. But the big topic of the day has been gambling and sports and it appears very likely in the coming weeks and coming months and certainly the coming years that gambling outside of Las Vegas on sports is going to be legal and available to people maybe by a state-by-state -state basis there are spreads on your games now is that in any way shape or form going to impact do you need to talk to players about it does it impact what you do or does it have no impact at all no, I think it's something that you never definitely need to think about, discuss. Um, I think it's very early with the Supreme Court ruling just coming out. I haven't had enough time to process it all and, you know, discuss it with the people here and with Ken. But I think it's definitely something that you'll have to pay attention to. Um, just, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I've never been someone that's just... I don't know, losing money uh, makes me want to throw up. So, like, yeah. you know, even yeah. in college when everybody would go to the casino, I'd yeah. go. But, like, yeah. you, you're, you're playing craps and you lose 100 bucks. I feel like I want to throw up when I walk out. So <laughs> I've never been that way. I don't never gambled on games or anything. So I've, I've never really given all that all that much thought. But it is something that is a going to be a pressing issue moving forward. Um, Brett McCormick from the Herald, uh, we talked a little bit ago, and he asked me that question like the next day. And I, I said what I said to you guys. Like, I haven't given it much uh, enough thought to know if it's something that's going to be a big concern, something that really needs to be addressed. And, you know, his point was, and, and I think this is valid, and it's something that I thought about after that discussion. He said, you know, there's so much spotlight on professional sports mm -hmm. and, and things that are very, very, very high profile. One of his concerns is 
you know, in college basketball, especially maybe at the mid-major level and not the power five level would, would because, you know, um, you know, that isn't as in the spotlight as major professional sports, would that be more of a concern that, um, you know, that, that, you know, the, the sultry aspect of the gambling world would try Mm -hmm. to cultivate or circumvent or, um, you know, reach the, the lower levels of whether it's college football or college basketball or something like that and, and could have, you know, sort of a bigger impact and be more of a concern. I thought that was an interesting perspective and something that I haven't really given a lot of thought to, but it is something that I think needs to be thought out and needs to be discussed. All right, so now for the fun and uh, light question that I'm going to ask. You know, we started the podcast talking about beards and and uh, and what podcast do you listen to? What what kind of you know? Sometimes you're on long road trips driving to see recruits. What do you, what are you listening to as far as music? Like what's <laughs> what's your, what are your musical tastes? Uh, embarrassingly, I, I listen to um, I'm a I'm a big you know talk radio AM radio guy and listen to XM sports and things like that. So I'm a little boring in that regard. I like to think musical taste. I'll listen to a little bit of anything. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, uh, our, our, the young guys that I coach are a lot into to, to more of the modern, either pop music or hip hop and things. And I don't dislike that. Yeah. If it's on, I'll listen to it. Uh, my wife is a big country music fan. So the highway channel 57 on yeah. XM radio, I can't <laughs> believe it. I'm giving them a shout out for some reason and not Kelsey Chevrolet, but, <laughs> but, you just did. <laughs> but hey, I, ju- I just did uh, from our family to yours. Yep. So I listened to a lot. You of know, there are sponsorship opportunities on the bearded <laughs> car <laughs> cast right. available. That's right. Yeah, you get go. a Kelsey Chevrolet <laughs> car to drive around. <laughs> so a country, listen to that. Um, you know, uh, uh, I, I don't even know if he's in anymore, but Jay Z is probably oh, yeah, my yeah. famous, my, yeah. my favorite, you know, hip hop artist. Uh, Bruce Springsteen is one of my oh, favorite yeah. favorite yeah. rock and roll artists. But I'm, I'm, I like to think I'm pretty well versed, and I'll listen to a little bit of every, anything. But I don't, as I like to say, eat, sleep, and drink any specific genre. If you're listening to AM talk radio, like, and somebody pops on, who who excites you? Do you like listening to? Uh, I mean, I don't know, Dan Patrick or Rush Limbaugh. Like, who Rome do you like guy, to hear? You? Jim Rome? Yeah, I used to be a big Romy guy back in the day. That don't listen to as much because he's on during the day and yeah. I'm, I'm working. But I used to. It was it was kind of like a, a dream come true when we went to the NCAA tournament 2017. Uh, Brett Redden walked in my office and said, "Jim Rome wants to have you on a show today," and I almost fell over. <laughs> so you know, his show is known as the Jungle, yeah. and when you get a uh, you get to give a take. They give That's you a right. vine, That's you right. know, as you might know, and he's got his own terminal terminology and things like that. And just hearing his voice on the other end of the line asking me questions was uh, was another bucket list thing. Yeah. The only thing that would come close to that is if I had the opportunity to be on the air and be interviewed by Marty Brennan. Oh, yeah. And, uh, man, I, I know I talked about him earlier, but you talk about an icon in the sure. city of Cincinnati and his voice and Joe right. Noxall's voice were the voice of my childhood. Right. I'd lay in bed at night and stare at the ceiling. Well, you memorized one of his famous uh, calls, right? I can do the last out of Tom Browning's perfect game. Can do or should do? <laughs> I, I, I can do it, and I will do it right now if you really want me to, and it would be a little bit of an embarrassing thing that my players would probably be embarrassed by, but I'd be happy to do it if you want to. I don't think we'd be doing our job not uh, to Yeah, ask. we got to ask you to <laughs> do it. All right, it, now yeah. I might mess this up, so there might be some things that I don't get, but – but, um, uh, there's a, a batter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Woodson was his last name. I can't remember what his first name is, but he's up to bat. And um, and and here's how Marty Brenneman said it. Okay. 
And now Browning's ready with the 2-2 two, two to Woodson, and here it comes, and it is swung on and missed. And Tom Browning has pitched a perfect game, 27 outs in a row, and he is being mobbed by his teammates just to the third base side of the mound. And what a memorable scene on this wet and dreary evening here in Cincinnati, one that the fans had to wait two hours and 27 minutes for, but brother, was the wait worthwhile? And now Browning being hoisted to the shoulders of his teammates. Bah, 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 bah. So that's that's about all I got. That's good. That's awesome. That's good. That's awesome. There's you, those what? childhood memories. You got you an Indian on Sunday for a Knights game? <laughs> <laughs> you ever go to a Knights game? Have you ever been to one? You know what? I still haven't been over there, and I, I really, really want to go because I've seen the pictures, and everybody talks about that it might be the, the, the finest setting in the country for yeah, minor league. coming in soon, too. For minor league baseball, yeah. So maybe I'll get over there when the, the Louisville bats uh, come You got connections there. I can help you out. When, yeah, you rec- get you. <laughs> when you recruit, how much do you recruit that Winthrop is in kind of Charlotte's backyard? That's huge. That's huge. That's a part of every yeah. every initial conversation when you talk to a but you do. You you mention that it is in Charlotte's backyard and you talk about obviously all of the advantages that brings the networking opportunities to, from an industry standpoint, cultural standpoint, it's an NFL city. But make no mistake, in the same breath you sell the city of Rock Hill. Sure. I believe in this place and I think Winthrop's from a from a location standpoint, it's a place where you have the best of both worlds. You have a smaller town feel. Um you know of of Rock Hill in in you know but all of the exciting developments that are happening here with Knowledge Park and and Riverwalk and in all of those things are are off the charts the the renovation of downtown but uh but then you got you got Charlotte right down the road as well so I, I believe and we talk a lot about being the best of both worlds in that regard the last thing we do have to to mention too cuz we talked a lot about Cincinnati and we talked about Charlotte but uh, you've also become friends with a Cincinnati native and Luke Keekley, um, who you know I know and sure John and uh, I had uh, got to have done dinner with him one time. But that's got to be kind of neat. You mentioned the high school aspect of because he went to uh, he went to Saint X, Saint which X, yeah. I went to Elder, which are two of the all boys Catholic schools in Cincinnati. And I I I think I uh, describe Luke like I describe Chris Paul. He's a better person than he is a player, and the people know the caliber of player he is. So hopefully that sends a great message and the first time I saw him when I got down here I was starstruck and the first thing he said to me was hey you're you're Pat Kelsey from Xavier <laughs> and I said I almost I almost <laughs> fell over I said how in the heck do you remember because yeah. I, I they had season tickets right. the, he went to, to coach Prosser's basketball camp when he was a kid his favorite player was James Posey who was my roommate and um you know, you remember. I said, you don't can't remember me as a player. And I and I told him I missed a thousand career points by eight hundred and seventy two. And he said, no, I do. You 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 deep people up and dove on loose balls. And so I I, I really really appreciated that about him. I'm a huge huge fan of his uh, because of those things. Coach, thanks so much. All right, fellas, thank thanks, you. Pat. Episode 25, the Diamond Edition of the Bearded Car Cast. Mike Pacheco, Dave Freeman. I want to thank Pat Kelsey for joining us here on the Bearded Car Cast. You can follow along at Bearded Car Cast. Send us an email, beardedcarcast at outlook.com. With apologies to our good friend Carlisle. You know, populate our inbox. We didn't have time for it today, but uh, certainly send us an email. But uh, some great conversation with Pat Kelsey, kind of about the, the, the other side 
of being a basketball coach, not so much the in and nuts and bolts, but you know what life is like outside of basketball. It's so easy to focus on the minutia when, in fact, whether it be players or coaches, you're dealing with people, and there, there's a lot more that goes on. By the way, are you the man in black today? I am the man in black today. I got my black Adidas shirt, my black Adidas pants, my black Adidas <laughs> shoes, uh, and the funny thing is, it's completely unplanned. Completely unplanned. I didn't, in other words, I didn't set out this day like Garanimals and say I'm going to wear all black. It well, just we, we, came we've together. got no plan for uh, episode 26 of the Card Cast, but we'll, we'll put one together over the weekend. A lot of stuff going on. And we also have uh, your suggestions, and we mentioned uh, you can send us an email, but we are talking about maybe doing it back on the road. We haven't been on the road in a while, so I think we're going to do... We Where might should even, we go? We might even have a volunteer driver, I think. Wow. Right? Didn't, didn't uh, Everett Hutto... Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll get on the road. So if there's some place you want us to do, some place you want us to go, give us suggestions, and you can reach out to us. BeardedCarCast at Outlook.com. Follow us along on Twitter, at BeardedCarCast. We're also on Instagram now, BeardedCarCast. Of course we are. Of course we are. We're, we're a multi, multi-social media here in this age. So for Dave Freeman, Pat Kelsey joining us as a guest, I'm Mike Pacheco. Thanks for listening. Episode 25 of the Bearded Carcast.